Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm Georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations, tips and tricks, products we love and brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Georgia? Georgia! It's just me. Hi guys, Georgia has gone on holiday to Abu Dhabi and she's left me and she's currently off my Christmas card list because who goes on holiday, hey? (laughs) No, she really needed the break. So it's just me today. It's so lovely to have you listening to Tuesday's episode of the podcast. Um, I am finally out of um, kind of chicken pox and illness hell. And we had a really lovely weekend kind of going to friends barbecues and hanging out a little bit of sunshine on the Saturday too. So feeling refreshed and ready to go. And I'm also covering JK and Kelly Brook for the next two weeks on drive time, which is lovely. Lots of time with the kids in the morning because obviously it's half term. And then I get to come into London and do a little bit of work. All is good in the Doran Jones household. Um, so we're going to get into the chat today. I took it solo, obviously, because G's away. I've known this person for about 15 years, which I think really helped us actually have that really nice rapport during the conversation. And it's another male voice on the podcast for this week, which is brilliant. He's just made a massive announcement in the press over the last three weeks. Uh, and you will recognize him instantly from his voice. And you've probably known him to be on our screens for what? just over 20 years, I think now. So a very exciting conversation, a very interesting conversation all around surrogacy today, but also kind of, you know, upbringing and, you know, the relationship that he has with his sisters and family and obviously talking about the big, big thing that's going on in his life at the moment, which is the fact that he's about to be a father for the very first time. Today, we are saying hello and welcoming Brian Dowling to the podcast. Okay, so I'm very, very, very excited about today's chat because it's actually somebody that I've known for, we're just trying to work it out, but I reckon it's about 15 years. We've got a very good mutual friend in common. So we've presented some of the, I'd like to say, most disastrous late night game shows on a certain channel. But we've moved on from that now. Um, This particular man rose to fame in 2001, winning the second series of Big Brother. He made such an impact. He's then gone on to present countless shows on the TV. Uh, He's now residing in Ireland with his wonderful husband, Arthur, and he announced about three weeks ago that he was going to become a father for the first time via surrogate. We cannot wait to chat to you today. Please welcome Brian Darling to the uh, podcast. When you were saying everything, I was like, she's actually correct. That is very accurate. Yes, yes. Yeah, done my yes, research. Yes, done you've research. done your research. Goodness, the shows we used to work on. I remember a certain show I was on and it's we had to get it started at midnight oh, on ITV1 and it wrapped till 4am and the set was in Maidstone and I lived in Clapham at the time. And I remember just been thinking, what on earth? And there was no script. It was unscripted. Yes. It was very interactive. And I signed up to do six weeks 
of this show. And then they signed me up to do a whole year of it. And I remember and you were on, you were doing something quite similar. Yours was a dating aspect. Yours was more fun. If I remember thinking, yours was dating, right? With Brenda Courtney, Kat Shube. Yes. So it was called, um, I want to say play date. And it was, I always say that it was really ahead of, ahead of its time. Because it was, you'd I have suppose. people in the studio, singletons, yes. and then yes. people would watch these people from home and then they would each have a phone next to them and then they'd call up and they'd almost try to date them on camera. Sounds and- a little seedy now. It sounds a bit babe <laughs> station. It, it does sound a bit triple X. I know. It just sounds it. Oh, goodness. One particular show that I did was being filmed. It was filmed in Manchester, very similar to the one that you're talking about. Completely unscripted. And it was the middle of the night and you'd have to stand there. We'd do an hour's stint at a time. So an hour of live TV. Then you'd go off, have a cup of tea, and then you'd come back on again. And um, the... It was like a words a word game. So I'd stand there and I'd be like, right, it's four letters, yeah. B blank yes. L L. And I go, right, back. Dave's on the phone. Hi, Dave. Uh, what do you think it is? And he'd go, tree. And I go, it starts with a B, Dave. It starts yeah. with a B. Yeah. I mean. I remember standing there and saying to people, we're looking for an animal. It's a three-letter word. It's not cat. The answer is not cat. We have Dolores from Croydon. Dolores, you've got one chance. Is it cat? It's not cat. <laughs> And, you know, you, we didn't swear, even though it was the middle of the night. But mm. I literally think stuff like that was great for me in everything I've done since then. If yeah. anything happens on a live show, and you will know this, if an auto queue breaks down, you've got extra time when you've no time. Because the experience of being on live television, you know, on a really good channel, that wasn't scripted. It's great. I learned so much from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, you, your career, I, I kind of wanted to sort of take you back to 2001 when you actually entered the Big Brother house. I mean, it was what, 21 years ago now? 21 years ago, last week since I entered the 25th of May, 2001. Yes. I mean, I reckon everybody listening to this podcast will have seen that series because it was just the time when it was it, reality, reality telly was really having its moment. And you were, you were a pinnacle person to that kind of generation, to that period of time and stuff. How do you look back on that experience? What, what comes to mind? Just joy, pure happiness. I look back on the summer of 2001, you know, and I'm not a father just yet. So next summer will probably be the most memorable one of my life because yeah. I'll have a baby. But up until, you know, even I got married in 2015 and the summer of 2001, just big brother. And I remember the door shutting behind me. We were the last ones that walked in. It was me, I think Penny, and I think Paul Clark. And the door went, they even get goose pimples now. And just thinking, I had the best time. And not because I won the show. Obviously, that was the icing on the cake. But I just didn't have much drama on the show. It wasn't a controversial season of the show. You know, no one got warnings. I think it was when it was a social experiment. And we were 10, 11 strangers living in a house doing the most basic things. We had one task a week. You know, one of them was to keep a fire lighting and one was to train a dog. And it was just so much fun. And I think I'm so glad I was 22 at the time because I was so naive. And I think I'm glad I didn't know anything about reality TV. You know, I was due to go back to work with Ryanair on the 1st of September. And I left the show on the 27th of July. And I really fully believed I was going to go back to work. I contacted them the week after I won and said, great, yeah, see you September 1st. Because I really didn't know what was going to happen. And I wasn't going on the show to fix myself. I'm not saying other people do. I wasn't going on the show in a sense to be someone because we only had the first season of the show. 
and you kind of never knew what really happened to them, you know? Yeah. So it really was a social experiment and it was the best. Big Brother has given me the life I have, you know, my opportunities in London, being able to afford to buy my own home in London, being so young, the people mm. I met that I'm still friends with. It's afforded me so much stuff. Who are you still in contact with from the show? No one. <laughs> You're not. I swear. I listen, listen, and it's the same with Ultimate Big Brother. Not a person. So I'm thinking, is the problem me? <laughs> I listen. I was recently in contact with Helen, and Helen Adams came second to me, and we shared such a unique experience back in 2001. You know, the winner and uh, the person coming second, Davina, it was so you know so iconic. And we got in contact just recently. It was 20 years last summer. And we now, we don't have each other's numbers, but we follow each other on social media. We DM, but really no one else. And I don't want to say it's through fault of anyone. I just yeah. think life moves on. And sometimes you, what I've learned, and I don't know if you're like this, I've learned in recent years, the difference between friendship and the difference between being colleagues with some people. And I mm. think both are okay. You know, sometimes I felt I had to be friends with people to work with them. You can have great chemistry with people on camera, whatever you're doing, but you don't have to be friends. You can just be really good very colleagues, true. you very, know, very true. and I just think when I was on those shows at the time, yes, of course we got on so well, but a real test of friendship is in the outside world with real life problems. Mm. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not in contact with anyone and we don't hang out. I don't feel that any of us need to be hanging out. But, you know, this year is 21 years, and I do think that's special. And it would be nice to see some people, you know, go for dinner. But also, you know, stuff are said over the years, you know, magazines, stuff online, people's, you know, idea of you. And, you know, so I just think there's also a lot of bullshit surrounding it as well. But I don't wish ill will on anyone at all. How have you coped over the years with all of that kind of media attention? And you've just mentioned the magazines and the newspaper articles and because it is a lot. And actually, yes. you know, now with the days of Instagram and Twitter, you know, you, we're so much more accessible and, you, you you know, you are in the firing line to, yeah. to receive comments and stuff. So what, what's your kind of go to on that? How do you deal with it? I have this thing where I go when I go to work whether it's recording a podcast, a radio show, doing an endorsement, turning up and doing television or something, the clothes I wear are a uniform and it's me going to work. And a lot of clothes that I wear going to work, I wouldn't wear in my real life. So when mm. I put on an outfit that's not really for me, like it's a work outfit, I'm going to work. And I just think it's a job and it's not real. Because back in the day of 2001, two, three, four, five, I remember just being on this wheel of just constantly and luckily working and working on amazing shows, having amazing opportunities, but having to go out four or five nights a week, having to get on a red carpet, having to get in the magazines, having to get in the papers. Nowadays, people go on their Instagrams. You can do it from home and you're in the papers. And we had to work those red carpets. When I was on SMTV Live with Tess, who's still a very good friend of mine, Tess Daly, we were photo shoot, magazine, out. You had to do it. And you, yeah. you kind of lose sense. I lost sense of who I was, I suppose, back then. And I think I became a caricature of what I thought people wanted, which was camp and loud. And, and then you would just kind of turn it on. And I suppose back then you had to work hard to get in the papers. You had to work hard to get in the magazines. Because if you weren't in 
you know, the most popular club at the time. If you weren't on red carpet, you weren't in. Now, Star, Heat, all of these, Sneak, all of these magazines. Sneak magazine, wow. Sneak, That's yes. a blast from the past. I'm telling that you, like, <laughs> like, like now I just think it's easier because I'm older and I'm wiser and the press attention is, of course, lovely. Don't get me wrong because it kind of strokes and feeds the ego. But I, I don't, it doesn't pay the bills. Of course it doesn't. No. So now that I'm older, I don't really have, I'm not, the whole press side of it just comes with it. Whereas before I felt like I had to constantly do it. Since social media has been born, everything's just easier for people. Mm. But back in the day, Zoe, and you know this, we had to get our asses on red carpets. You had to do it, even if you didn't want to. You had to publicize the show that you were on and do all of those interviews and do everything. Yeah. And luckily, you know, when I arrived somewhere, it would make the tabloids, it would make the magazines. Then I, I was able to kind of work, but I took mm. it very seriously back then. Whereas now, it kind of it's just part of the job, I suppose. More of a comfort. There's more of a comfort now. I think we you know now we're sort of. I'm I'm 40 this year, and uh, you know you just feel a bit more comfortable in your own skin. I guess that actually, yeah, you have to play the game, but really, actually, you pick and choose the jobs that you want to do. You surround yourself with the people that you want to, and your next big chapter in your life is about to happen. Like you're going to be a dad. I know. I, I, I'm so happy to be saying Thank this on the you. podcast. I think actually you are from one other, the only person that we've had on that hasn't actually physically. Had, you know, had the baby yet? So no. the first person that we're talking to that hasn't ha- doesn't have baby in arms at the moment. So I want yes. I want to talk to you. You you mentioned you know about the stuff that was going on in your twenties about how you had to be this this kind of out there, this loud, this brash gay guy. You never spoke about the fact that you wanted to be a parent, to be a father. So when no. uh, when when did that feeling kind of come about? And when did you realise? Yeah, do you know what? Shit, I need to be a parent. I always wanted to be a parent. I remember I brought my two younger sisters somewhere to Paris, Euro Disney. I was working at Ryanair at the time. I think I would have been no more than 20, 21, and they were super young. And I remember telling someone that I was their parent to get them on a ride. And I kind of thought, <laughs> actually, do you know what? I would have probably had them at 10, you know, it didn't add up the age, but I kind of thought, <laughs> actually, do you know what? I actually do want to be a dad. But then, you know, being gay, and you're going back in here to, you know, the 90s, I didn't think it was possible, you know, to be gay and then to be able to have children. I just Mm -hmm. didn't think it was possible. I kind of thought now that I'm gay, you know, and I'm not going to have have children. And then I I obviously dated, you know, a few guys and they didn't want to have family. So it was never really an issue. My sister had a baby at 16, you know, Chloe, my niece, she's 21 this year. That was amazing. And I kind of thought, oh my God, you know, I think, yeah, I still want to do it. And then it wasn't until I met Arthur in 2002 that we, you know, I'm from a very big family. I have six sisters. Arthur's got one sister, Nazik, and he said, I'd like to have a family. And I said, oh, so would I. met Arthur in 2002? Met him in, in, in Shadow Lounge. You've been to Shadow Lounge many a time. Yeah, she's nodding. I'm taking you back, Zoe. <laughs> and 2002, we met on a night out. Wow. Um, he didn't know I was in the public eye. He couldn't speak English. And then he was dancing on CD UK the following week. And of course, I was hosting SMTV Live with Tess. And Arthur was trying to go, what are you doing here? And I had to tell him, you know, worked in television, blah, blah, blah. But we broke up for five years. We broke up in 2006 and we got back together in 2011. And then I'd done a lot of self-discovering in those, you know, five years. And we got back together. I remember saying to him, if we're going to do this, you know, it's marriage, you know, it's family. Let's get on the same page. And he said, absolutely. And then life happens. I was living in London. My mom passed away in 2018. We moved to America. Arthur was in America for kind of a year before me. 
We did the whole commute thing. He was working on a show over there, you know, and then it was in 2018 when mom passed away, I said to him, life is so short. We keep yeah. putting off something we want to do because I'm thinking, oh, we live in a two bed flat. We can't have a baby in a flat. You know, we need to have a big home and I want to be in Ireland. I suppose we just kind of kept making excuses for ourselves. And then we knew people that had gone down the surrogacy route and then Arthur didn't want to go down the surrogacy route. You know, he was an immigrant. He didn't want to. No, yeah. he didn't. You know, Arthur, you know, didn't have money. They were dressed by St. John's Ambulance. His father passed away. They moved to Belgium. You know, they they had nothing. And he kind of thought, no, all of this money going down the surrogacy, let's kind of go down the adoption route. We were living in America at the time. We started the ball rolling, you know, surrogacy there, adoption there. I then moved back to Ireland. It's legal. So just just talk to us briefly about the, the surrogacy side of it. It's legal yeah. in America. Yes. But you can't pay a surrogate in the UK. You can pay for their expenses. But also in Ireland, there are no regulations regarding surrogacy. So it's not that right. surrogacy is illegal in Ireland. It's also not legal. And we're having a domestic surrogacy. But that's only possible because my sister is our surrogate and she lives in the same country as me. So she's a domestic surrogacy. And also about this, even choosing, we kind of went, okay, it's going to be surrogacy now. I was my opinion, these are my words, I was fearful of going to a different country, not knowing the surrogate, not spending time with the surrogate, mm. trusting the surrogate. Of course, these are all my insecurities. And that's, yeah. you know, Aoife approached us in 2019. I've got such a close relationship with Aoife as does Arthur. She lived us in London for a year. You know, she's not my baby sister. She's the second youngest, but I've always spoiled her. We have a lot in common when it comes to hair, makeup, tans, fashion. We get mm -hmm. on so well. And she said, oh, I, you know, I do it. And I thought, oh God, you're joking. Of course you're not going to, you know, oh God, whatever. And then we were living in America. And, you know, again, I'm on that thing of working, getting on a plane from LA to fly to Ireland to work, to fly to London to work because we're self-employed, you know, yeah. The hustle, you still got to do it all. And we just kept putting it off, putting it off. I was on Dancing with the Stars here in Ireland in 2020. That wrapped in March and I was due to fly back to America and I couldn't because of COVID. Lockdown, Ar yeah. yeah. So then yeah. Arthur had to leave. We were on the O-1 visa. He had to leave Los Angeles, packed up our house, packed up everything because unless you were a citizen or had a green card, you were told to get out. So 2020... We moved back home to my mum and dad's house, the room I had growing up. It was just him and I in there. I've been so independent for so many years in London and America. And that was the making of us. And we decided this is what is really important. You know, I'm living in this tiny little room that we had growing up. All our stuff's in storage. My sister was there with her baby, her fiance and my dad. And I thought, this is what's important. It's family. Was that Aoife that had her baby and her husband? That was Tara. Aoife's Tara. never had any children. Tara has my our baby nephew, Harvey. Aoife was living in Dublin. She moved home. She was in London for years. And after mum passed away, you know, she decided that she needed to be at home as well. So she was in Dublin. We were at home. and We didn't really see much of Aoife because obviously the lockdown rules were very, very strict as well. So you kind of had to stay away from everyone. But then in 2020 at Christmas, Aoife was like, I'm, you know, I'm definitely interested in doing this for you. And we kind of thought, oh my God, maybe this is something we really need to think about. I said to Arthur, I'm 44 this year. And I said, by the age of 45, I just feel I'm going to be too old. Arthur's two years younger than me. And then it was really in 2021, Aoife and I in January, we moved into our new home that we got. Arthur and I have never lived in Ireland together. So this is a first for us because I left Ireland in 1998 
and moved wow. back in 2020. And her and I went for a walk and she said, I'm really interested in doing this. I really, really want to help you guys out. I think you've done so much for me, you know, and she said, expressed herself. Wow. Like she, she may never have any children. She's single. She's 32, you know, so experiencing that whole thing would be an amazing feeling. But then, you know, not having the responsibility. She shares, flat shares in Dublin city center with, you know, other girls. She's still young, you know, but then we had to make sure that this was right for us. It was kind of right mm. for my family. I've mentioned to my sisters over the years, would they do it? And over the years, they all kind of went, I can't help you. And it was in the 2020, two of my sisters had said, we thought we could help. You know, we have children already. It'd be hard to explain to these kids that are nine years old, you know, mom's pregnant, the baby's yes. not hers. I'm yeah. giving the baby away. So it, it just kind of, the way it happened, it was so organic. And it was Aoife that initiated these conversations. And that was very reassuring for us. You know, and then you have to get tested. It's not, it's not like it's an easy thing. You have to get tested yourselves. You know, Aoife then, of her own accord, wanted to go and see a therapist, you know, to talk about all of this. Yeah. You know, I don't know what was said, because obviously that's that's private. There's fertility testing you do individually. And especially because surrogacy, there are no regulations here in Ireland. So we didn't know if we were, what we were doing was right, but we kind of knew some of it was wrong. And I would ring up places here in Ireland and ask for advice and they wouldn't be able to advise me. Yeah. Is that a le- was that a legal thing or was that more of a fear? Of I kind think of it's more of a fear to- that there's no regulations and right. they can't be seen to be advising me. And maybe as well, because I have a public platform, they're probably fearful that I'd say, well, you told me this and they might, there might be repercussions for that, right. you know? And I think, you know, a lot of people from my community, you know, the LGBTQ plus community have to go down these routes and, you know, and I was fearful then of going to a different country where English isn't, you know, the first language. And that's what we had to do. I've never said where we went and I don't want to say, you know, where we went, but English wasn't the first language, you know, and there's just a lot and there was the egg donor. It's, 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 it's like, it's a full on thing, you know. So this is what, this is what I want to unpick and dissect a little bit because I was just talking to somebody about it and I was like, oh my God, I'm chatting to Brian Dowling. I'm so excited. He's just announced he's having a baby via surrogate. And, and then I was like, his sister's a surrogate. And we're, this, this person I was chatting to was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And yeah. then I was like, but who's the, whose sperm is it? And whose egg is yeah. it? And the person I was chatting yeah. to was like, oh, this is the information we need because suddenly I thought, well, it's not. Is it your? Is it? Is it Arthur's? And it's, is it going to be your? Obviously, it can't be yours and your sister. So, what? Talk me through that process yes. and how did you decide it? You know, during the, I've never spoken about this, and you know, there's certain stuff along the process that Arthur and I just will keep private because, of course, of course that's just you know what it is. So it. we know who you know the father is. There was you know we we'd found out stuff along the way regarding ourselves and individually that we didn't expect to find out and then so we you know so then we we could only only one person could be you know the biological father of our child and for Arthur and I it kind of it it made no difference to us you know Mm. even I remember the day you know, you, you got to give samples. And it's, it's like, when you think back, like, <laughs> it's like, there's a story, like, and I remember both of us were like with these little tubs and I'm like, I, I like, is, is this, is this it? Is this what it's come down to? How do I wank into a tiny pot? <laughs> like, how, how do I do it? <laughs> like we were, we were offered a room in a clinic and I went, no, that's so inappropriate because they'll know what we're doing in the room. I went, no, no. And I remember just doing all of that. And I, 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 to be honest with you, I was so 
emotional about it because yeah. I just felt really like, wow, this is what we have to do. And there's no shame in it, but I just, I just felt like, I felt a bit of shame attached and I don't know why that is because I'm intimate with my husband and that's fine. You know, we have sex, yeah. we're married, but this yeah. was for a different thing. And I felt really emotional about it. And we, I still have a picture of the two little empty things we got with the yellow lids. And I just look at it and I, I, it was just a very odd feeling for me. And I, I felt such vulnerability. And then yeah. you have to get to the clinic within a certain amount of time. And I was like, Arthur, I'm not handing these in. I am mortified. These are two little cups full of cum. Mortified. I'm mortified <laughs> here. Like I was, Zoe, I was mortified. Yes, of course. I get it. I totally get it. I, like it's when you hand over a, like a urine sample when you go to the doctors and you've wrapped it up in a little bit of tissue paper, but it's still warm and you go to the reception no. and you go, don't, don't touch it. I've done the lid. You know, it's all very weird and fumbling. And at that time, you know, here... The police stopping people on the road was still a thing with lockdown. You could only go a certain point. I said, if you get stopped by a police officer, you tell him you have two cups of semen because we are trying to start a motherfucking family. <laughs> it had to be at a certain temperature, at a certain time. We have no time to play around. And then we'd done all of that. And then all of that, whatever happened after that happened. Yep. And then, you know, we had to find an egg donor because... Okay. You know, my sister is great and she was only ever going to be the surrogate. She was never going to be the biological, you know, mother of our child because I'm from a very big family. I'm one of seven. I have so many nieces and nephews. That dynamic just wouldn't work for us personally. It may work for other people because my fear would always be, you know, EastEnders style. You ain't my mother. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I was yeah. thinking if I'm chastising my child going, you can't do that. He was like, well, actually, that's my child and they can. So no, no, no. And then luckily enough, we, we knew that we could get an egg donor and there was a plethora of choice again regarding that. And again, you know, Arthur and I will, you know, remain private, you know, regarding Absolutely. that whole process, but only to say that, you know, these people are medically you know, fit and healthy mentally, their parents, their grandparents, you know, so that was obviously important and the testing process. And also, you know, to know the reasoning for do it was also important to Arthur and I that these women done this because they wanted to. Yeah. That was important as well. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. 
Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? Two of my best friends, um, they're a gay couple, Lucy and Yvonne, and they actually listen to the podcast. Uh, so that's nice. So I'm going to give them a little... Hi, ladies. Hi, yes. ladies. And um, they had their baby um, in Denmark. They go to Denmark to get their sperm. And they're actually in the process of trying to go again now. And they said, what's the, what's the really lovely thing about it is that they're using the same sperm donor is the first time and there's another letter there you know he 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 wrote a letter to say you know how much he wanted uh, you know a, a couple that were having problems with fertility or slash couldn't do it on their own uh, yeah. to actually start a family with his sperm and it was just this yeah. really lovely beautiful message to the child you know to their child and to them and because you know you we take for granted I think that you know we just go and have sex and yes. we just hope for the best totally. okay obviously certain situations don't work out it's like trickier, that but sometimes it does yeah. yeah and so you've got to go through that whole process and be okay and be comfortable with it and may I point out there are still no guarantees you can retrieve 20 eggs 20 eggs means fuck all because you may get one viable two viable embryos so you can harvest you know as many as you like there are no guarantees that you'll get a you know a viable healthy embryo which is really really important but also when you do your your embryo transfer on that day that may not turn into a pregnancy. It may not yeah. turn into a healthy pregnancy. There's no guarantees. We were lucky, you know, when, when we went was because we had, we had lost two, with an embryo that split into twins, but it wasn't viable. There was, there was an issue with it. So, that, okay. so we'd lost that. And even for me with Arthur, I, I cried that day. I was so sad because to me, it's not just an egg and sperm. This is an embryo and they knew the gender. And for me, that was a loss. I know that sounds really dramatic, but for me, that that was a loss. I was really sad that day. And I said to Arthur, we'd one, you know, embryo left. And this embryo was in a freezer for months before anything happened. And I remember thinking to Arthur, just being really sad and just thinking that's our baby. And they are now by themselves. And then with Aoife, you know, you have to go on hormones. You've got to regulate a cycle. I know my sister's cycle. Like we had an orange cup she used to pee in, much the same color as your jumper. And I've kept (laughs) this plastic cup because it means so much to me. If we were doing ovulation tests and when we've done our four pregnancy tests, I have kept this cup. So when I see people and, you know, it doesn't happen for everyone to get pregnant straight away. But then you see some people who do have children and we hear horror stories every day, whether it's online or it's on the news of children that are abused or hurt. And it used to rile me up because I'm saying to Arthur, you know, at one point we didn't think we were even going to get pregnant this year because we just weren't getting to that point. And we were going to pull the plug. Like we kind of said, that's it. You know, we're done. We're doing these scans, these ultrasounds. Aoife has been a trooper. Her hormones are regulated. Her cycle, you know, she cut out alcohol. She's 32. She's single. What an incredible woman. What an incredible person. Yeah. And then by chance, the the clinic said, just give it one more go. And we thought, you know what? Let's just give it one more go. And then let's just take six months out. And then, you know, we measured uh, the uterus had to get to a certain, you know, for the transfer that was big enough to soak up the embryo. We measured, you got on that plane, you got one little embryo left. We have one. And then that turned into 
you know, we're due in September, a very, you know, a healthy oh, pregnancy, but also because, you know, Arthur, my husband is so positive. I'm realistically positive because then I just went on Google and I was saying embryo transfer. And what can you do? What can't you do? And I worried myself thinking at some point this might be taken away from us. And remember, we were yeah. six weeks and three days. Arthur was on a shoot and Aoife and I went for our first scan. And even at then, the lady doing it said to us, there are still no guarantees. You know, your right. blood test has come back. Your HCG level is super high. The hormones are there. You may not hear a heartbeat. You're six weeks and three days, just, but don't panic. And it was um, an internal scan, which I was so worried about. Because I just thought a scan is just a scan, but it's an internal scan. And I was like, will this hurt? Because this is, like a, this is quite a big scan. And they were like, no, I said, will it hurt Aoife? No, you're going to be fine. And then they put it in. And Aoife and I are holding hands and we're crying. And we hear, wow. And oh, I tell you, I get emotional Brian. now. And I tell you, I just stood there and I remember just thinking, oh my God, we have a baby, like we're pregnant. And it was the strangest feeling of thinking, oh my God, we are the luckiest people in the world. Mm. You know, but every time, Zoe, I was so afraid this was going to be taking away from us. Even our scan last week, we seen baby's face, nose, everything. And our uh, consultant was like, you are bang on trend when it comes to the size of your baby's head, you know, the fluid in the sack, baby's mouth was opening, the tongue was coming in and out. And it was almost like, shit, we've, like, we've done this. This is like, because you, maybe it's because you hear so much, the world. You hear so many horror stories. It's so heavy. It's so heavy. What everything's going on in America, Jesus Christ, what's happening in the Ukraine, what's happening here, I see on the news with children. And you go, oh my God, you know, and it's just, I'm like, now we just need to get baby here. We just need to. And also I worry about Aoife. I was going to ask you that actually. How, yeah. how do you feel around, you know, Aoife and, and her, her kind of highs and lows and, and what you need to do? Because you're, you're her brother, like you're her big brother. Yes. You're there. I'm you her big brother. Her. 100%. Yeah. I'm the eldest. I have six girls yeah. and we're, me and my, my family and I are so close. We're like best friends. And my worry for her is that I don't want her to feel she's going to be left out after this because she is the star of this whole show. You know, when she hid this for six months, no one knew because we wanted to get as far into this as we could. Well, you hid it from the rest of your family, Brian, did you know? My family them? knew. Oh, my, from day dot, our family were all on. We're so close. You know, there was a bit of conflict initially with them going, I'm just not sure, does this, how does this change the dynamics of our family? You know, because they were fearful. What if Aoife gets attached? What if Aoife goes, ooh, you know, I've changed my mind? You know, because these are all what ifs. We don't know. And everyone's on board. My father, you know... It was just, it was just, everything's been perfect. But I just worry about her. I worry that she's okay. I'm putting her in this situation. I knew it was going to get a bit of press attention. And that's not me being arrogant. That's just the job that I, yeah. I do. And I knew we talked about it. There would be an interest. I didn't expect it to be the cover of the papers the way that it has been here. And that's, that's always lovely. Don't get me wrong. But it makes me worry about Aoife because she went for a spray tan and she was fully nude in this spray tan. I don't know why she chose to be nude, but that's her choice. <laughs> and the girl went, oh my goodness, you're Brian you. Downing's sister, it's you. You know, and that was odd for Aoife and she just said to her, what you're doing is amazing. You know, oh my goodness. As she was spraying her breasts. Yes, spraying oh, her breasts. You know, they're gone super big, yeah, super big, you know, and her stomach that is growing. And you know, Eva was like, well, that's a bit odd because I didn't want to put her in the firing line because as much as we're getting amazing feedback and amazing comments, 
there are people out there that can't abide the fact that two men, you know, know. who chose to be gay, you know, are forcing this, you know, raping a womb, renting a womb, forcing this woman into a situation. And we've had that from stuff like, well, I hope she doesn't get cancer from the hormones. Hope she won't die during childbirth. Just meant you shouldn't be allowed to have a baby. You're disgusting. What we're doing to this child, what we're bringing this child into. You are joking. That is oh, yeah, like That is horrendous. And when we, on the day that we chose to be gay, like how odd is that? We gave up the right to be parents. But, you know, that is based on pure homophobia. That's all that yes. is. Because I know people who've gone down the surrogate route that are heterosexual people and they don't get it, aren't they? Isn't it tricky for them? God love them. They, they want to be parents. Gay men or gay women do it. Everyone has an opinion. It's based right. on hate and homophobia. That's all that is. And I didn't want Aoife to be part of that. I wanted to protect her. But she made the decision to go public because I kind of thought, you know, because Aoife's at work. She, you know, she works in a hotel. She's on reception. People mm -hmm. notice her growing belly. She's mm -hmm. single. You know, people have asked her questions. Mm -hmm. So we came out. And I, and I also worry for her and the dynamics of how this happened on the day of delivery. We don't know what's going to happen. Mm. You know, we hope for a safe delivery, you know, which we hope it will be, God willing. And I always say God willing, and I don't know why. I think it's an Irish thing. My, mo my mom used to say that. Because we, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. All we know is that, you know, Aoife won't hold baby initially when baby's born. Aoife won't breastfeed baby when baby's born. If it won't be soothing baby, baby's going to be looked after by Arthur and I every, you know, two or three hours when we're feeding. What I do know is Eve is having the best medical care that she can get. We're going to go see her, of course. And then after a week or two, we think that'd be a nice time. Eve is going to recuperate for six weeks with my sisters and, and my sister's house. And then, you know, we will, Eve will come around, she'll hold baby. But I said to Arthur, you know, I said, let's just let her do it in the hospital. Like we're trying to do this the way we should. What's the mentality behind that? Has somebody told, has somebody given you that piece of advice or is that something that you guys have come up? No, I just advice and going is, you know, when it comes to surrogacy and what happens is it's best not for the person who's had the surrogate to hold the baby initially because, you know, there's all these hormones, there's all everything. It's just best to have that bit of separation. And it's very important for Arthur and I to do skin on skin with the baby and, and mm. not the surrogate. And then Aoife yeah. goes into a recovery room and I said to Arthur, at that point, I think we should do skin on skin on the same room that Aoife's recovering in. You know, yes. we've been in this together. I want yeah. Aoife, you know, to see her niece, her nephew. You know, she is going to be the most amazing aunt to them. And also Aoife is going to be in this baby's life. How amazing is that? That we have Aoife as the surrogate who carried our child. You know, I want them to have a unique relationship. And also, you know, there there is DNA that's passed through the placenta. So, you know, yes, that is not her baby. Absolutely. She's done the most incredible thing in the whole entire world for you. But you are all a family together. All a family. It's the most incredible gift. Of course. At Christmases, yeah. at Easter, holidays, Aoife's birthday, anything. Aoife, mm. you know, and how amazing when we decide to tell our child yeah. what Aoife, you know, your aunt, you know, gifted us. This, you know, we wanted you so much. Mm. You know, that Aoife, you know, allowed us to do this. And I just think that a lot of the stuff they say you shouldn't do, I think all that goes out the window because mm. our situation is so unique. I don't know anyone, you know, whose sister carried their baby for them. I've read about it in Woman's Own. I've read about it in Closer, you know. 
I, you know, so I think our dynamic is, you know, is special for us. It's it's a breathtaking story. It makes me. I don't know if you know my my story, but my sister uh, went through early menopause and was left infertile, okay. and I was heading in the same direction. Had my two children, and very very luckily, because they said I would never. Uh, and I really really contemplated. Uh, carrying a baby for my sister but she didn't have any so we had endless conversations about it and I really at one point thought I can do this for her I can do this for her but she couldn't there were no eggs left she was completely infertile so we were like at that point it would be would it be one of my eggs that my one of my very few eggs left and then it would be her husband's but like it was just all too much and I just thought knowing having carried two of my own babies I just, I could not go through, I, I couldn't go through with it. See, a lot of people don't know this because since Arthur and I really have announced, we've really, this is the first time I've said any of the stuff, you know, that I've said because we've just not mm. spoken about it. And I think this is a great platform for me to speak about it because this is what, these are the conversations that you yes. ladies have. And I know that there's a lot of love, there'll be a lot of love in the room with this because it's from people who, you know, have families and want to be parents and are parents and, yep. you know, our story is unique, but we want the exact same thing as anyone else that has guested on this podcast. And that is to be a parent and have a child. And yeah. just because we're gay doesn't mean I'm a second class citizen that I don't, I don't get that. I've always had to fight harder, you know, all of my life. My husband's had to fight harder all of his life to dress himself, to get food because he was an immigrant. You know, being gay and being Irish and being Catholic and all anything I've done in television, it's, it's that fight hard. So the fact that we've had to fight harder to have our family, mm. we fight every day. You, also, we're in the same industry. You yep. hustle. The hustle is real. That's what it is. Has Ireland caught up at all? Because I feel like you've got a really exciting space now to really start talking about it. What a unique story. And let's be honest, in terms of where Ireland have been and their yeah. views and, the, and you know the history of it and to where they totally. are now, you know, yeah. how, how do you feel about that? And are you going to use your voice for good to kind of bang that drum? Totally. I mean, especially with the referendum here in 2015, you know, and same-sex marriage, and that was incredible. Mm. So I always believe that Ireland is ahead of the time at times. There'll always be, Zoe, no matter what country you go to, whether it's mm-hmm. England, America, or Ireland, there'll be certain mm-hmm. parts of it that won't be able to stand Arthur and I. You know, that's just life. I won't like what we're doing. 90%, I would say, of people are so supportive. Families, when I was growing up, I was born in 78. So when I was growing up in the 80s, the families that we had then are not the families we have now. Families yeah. are diverse. You've got biracial members of families. You've got same sex. You've got fostering, you've got adoption, you've got surrogacies. Families need to grow with the time. So I'm just so lucky that we're having a child in 2022. I think Ireland, I think, see, it's, it's, it's tricky because it's just the regulations regarding it. There is change coming. And Arthur and I hope to God that this year, both our names will go on the birth cert. I think there's something happening in July and then again in October that will allow us. That has to happen. Yeah, I hope to God it does because what happens is if it doesn't, it leaves one of us, you know, for two years not really having, you know, a say. And then you apply for guardianship and you've guardianship for 16 years because when a child, you know, turns 18, they're an adult. Now, what's very lucky and unique for us is the fact when we got married in 2015, I changed my name to match Arthur's name because I wanted us to have a family. And this is in 2015. So I'm Brian Dowling Gourignon on my passport. Arthur is Arthur Gourignon. My sister Aoife is Dowling. In the eyes of the law here in Ireland, Aoife is considered the biological mother of our child, which she is not. 
But in no. the eyes of the law, so our child will be Dowling Gourignon, the exact same name as me and the Gourignon as Arthur. So from that point of view, I'm very, very lucky that we all have the same, same name. name, regardless. Because yes. you hear horror stories of people going, well, you're stopped at the airport and if you're not the biological father, you have to you know, have a letter, permission. And I said to Arthur, whoever it worked out for us, it would take someone quite strong to stop any of us at an airport and ask me, you know, if me and my child had different, you know, say surnames or whatever for a letter. And I'm going, are you feeding this child every three hours? Have you looked after this child? Do you love, because that gets me really, I traveled with my nieces in 2018. It was Sophie and Sive and I'm obviously their uncle. And I got stopped coming back in from Dublin. And the girl was like, these aren't your kids. I said, no, no, I'm their uncle. Have you got a letter? I said, a letter from who? From, for what? And that's the thing. Yeah, I, I have to travel. When, when we travel to a certain country, because I've got different, different surnames to my kids, you know, they're mm-hmm. Doran Joneses and I'm a Hardman. I just haven't changed my name. Well, here so we I, had go. To take, I had to take the birth certificate with me because I thought they're going to stop me and ask me and I had yes. to show it. Did it annoy you? Oh, I was furious. I mean, I get, I get riled by so many things around parenting because I think some I of it is just so shady <laughs> yeah. and, and stupid. And judgmental and stupid, exactly. It's almost so, yeah. like you have to have... A biological blood. Like you have to have the blood as your child or else you can't be a real parent. It's Uh. absolute bullshit. I would take, you know, my friend's children, I take a bullet for them. I love them that much. You know, when you adopt a child or you foster a child, there's no biological collection, but you love that child. You can adopt a child and biologically have your children and love them both the exact same. People are obsessed with that. And even with Arthur and I, you know, people aren't afraid to ask. Well, who is the father? We're both the father. No, 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 no. But, 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 but who, who is? is? You know, and I think that's, that's Arthur and I. That's up to us to decide because our son, our daughter, is going to call us both dad. Are you going to both be dad or is one going to be daddy? One going to be... Well, listen, jokingly, I dated a guy who I had to call daddy. He was really into it. <laughs> so I said, no one's calling me daddy. No, no, no. So I'm thinking dad... You know, and then Arthur's obviously Arthur speaks French, Russian, Armenian, Italian, and English. So wow. he said it's something pair in French or something in Russian. But listen, let we'll let the child call that and see how yeah. that pans yeah. out. I think, yeah. but I don't want to call Daddy. I'm like, no, no way. No. That was saved for a one-time thing only, and it's left us more than one forever. time. Thank you. For okay, right. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we like at this point in the show to talk about the best piece of advice that you've been given since you found out that you were going to be a father. I said earlier that, you know, sadly I lost our mom in 2018 and, mm. you know, none of us were planned. Before mom passed away, mom wasn't sick. She passed of sudden adult death syndrome. So she went to sleep, you know, she didn't wake up oh, at 61. God. And, you know, before mom passed away, we had these really kind of, you know, poignant conversations without fully realizing she was going to die the following week because she wasn't sick. And I said to her about, you know, family and stuff. And we didn't have much money growing up, super working class in Rathangan. My father worked full time. My father left when it was dark, came home when it was dark. And my mom was a, a full time housewife looking after seven children. None of us were planned. None of us were planned. And my mom would always say to me, all children are loved and wanted, even the ones that you don't plan for. And she said that all you need, and this advice was, all you need is to love a child. And once you love a child, you'll be so accepting of everything about them. And I didn't understand what she meant. And of course, now I know because she'd seven different children. 
seven different personalities, seven different desires, you know, tantrums, dislikes. And once you love that child, you know everything is going to be okay. And I asked her why she didn't have any more. She Tara at 35. She said they were never blessed again. So so she's seen us all as blessings. You know, and we're, we're like kind of back to back. Oh. She, she was never blessed again. Mm. And I thought, my goodness, like sometimes my mom wouldn't eat so we could eat. Mom would have a very, always have a small portion of food. And I never knew why that was. And she always sat down last. That's because she wanted us to eat instead of her. And she said she was never blessed again. And I thought, how lovely was that? She's seen us all as blessings. But the advice was love. Once mm. you love your child, everything else. You don't need, you don't need all that. You need a warm bed, of course. You need food. You know, you need your warm clothes, but you need love. And you need love. Yeah. But that's, but that's it. Cause once you love your child, you're content. They're content. Cause no matter what they throw at you, you love them and they're going to be accepted. And listen, we don't know how this journey is going to go for us. No one does. When you're a parent and you have a child, you do not know how they are going to turn out. But I think once you love them, and I think that's the advice for anyone, I would say, and I think you'll agree as a parent, you're a mother, you know, it has to be love, right? Oh, of course. And I've got a step, a stepdaughter, Isla, who's not my biological daughter, but I've raised her since she, you know, I've helped raise her since she was 15 or 16 months old. And she's just as much my daughter and how much I love her ferociously like the other two, she feels like she's a part of me. She has the most incredible mom and an amazing father, but I am also her parent. I'm really proud of that. And actually lots of people say to me, oh, well, you know, you've only birthed two and you've only got two. And I'm like, I've got three kids. <laughs> I have three children. You said you know? that at the start. You actually said, you said you, you three children. I have three children. Yes. Yeah, because that's, you know, I'm not trying to take the place of her mum, but I also love them exactly the same because it's all I've it's all I've ever known she taught me how to be a mother you know so it's like like going back to your point it's like when you love a child like that that relationship that you get back is completely unique regardless of other circumstances or setups or situations I agree with you totally it's like when people say how, how else could you get up every two or three hours yeah. how else could you do everything okay and not do it for love or for the greater good. Because everyone tells me these horror stories. Like every day on Instagram, well, you won't be going out when the baby's here. You won't Ugh. be having that treatment. But I'm like, yes, I will. Because I will. think our child is going to adapt to our life. Put your sunnies on. Get your, you get that little juicy outfit on. Let's get out there. Let's go. Because that's what we're all about. It only gets better because you've got another person to come along, you know, for the ride with you. And that's what we say, you know. It just, we, we, we go to barbecues. We take the kids. If yes. it's 10 o'clock at night, we put them asleep in a bed. And then we put them in the car and we go home or we, we all stay there. Like, we I'm get all on here for this. Yeah. My mom said, once a baby's tired, let them sleep. Yeah. Has to go with you. So at this point in the podcast, we also ask our guests about products. But seeing as Babe's not with us yet, I'm going to wait because I'm going to get you back on because it's been such a wonderful chat. And you can tell us what you're using then. I nearly said the gender. I nearly went. Oh my God, you know the gender. <gasps> we know. And I've never said that to anyone yet. We know. We, we have our name. We have now our name. Like I was about to say. Don't say They it. aren't here yet. Surprised. They're not yeah. here yet. Okay, we, we'll wait. We can't wait. And listen, good luck with it all. It's been so lovely chatting to you. We're all so thrilled about, about the baby coming. It's, 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 also, it's quite nice to, uh, it's been therapeutic because I normally you talk about so much other stuff, you know, which is mm. work and la la la. This has been quite nice because I am going to be a parent. And when I say it, I kind of go, I'm actually ready. 
Yeah. Like I'm re- I mean, you're never really ready, but we wouldn't have gone down this route we've went down unless it was a maybe. <laughs> Do you know what I yeah. mean? We wouldn't have went to this. We're, we're so ready. And I, I can't wait for the sleepless nights. I can't wait for these dreadful nappies you hear about. I can't wait for any of it because it's what it's all about. And we're just so lucky that we can do it. And thank you for, you know, allowing me to come on here and, and talk to you. It's been quite therapeutic, actually, just talking about it. Well, I've loved it. I could sit and listen to you all day. And I know that people listening will agree. Uh, Brian, you're an absolute treasure. Good luck with it all. Let us know how the labour goes. We can't wait to catch up with you afterwards. Thank you, Zoe. Loads of love. Bye, darling. Oh, I really, really hope that you enjoyed that conversation. Um, For me, it was one of my favourites because I'm always really interested uh, in a different kind of setup to my own. Obviously, we have had discussions around adoption and surrogacy and fertility issues before. But, you know, to to have somebody like Brian come on, who's so articulate and you can kind of tell us exactly how it is and what he went through to become uh, to becoming a dad it's fascinating stuff um also to Aoife his sister for being such a brave and wonderful human being to do that for for her brother I just thought the whole chat was amazing so really hope you enjoyed it Georgia is going to be back um at some point when she stopped drinking pina coladas and having a really nice time on holiday I'm not jealous at all uh, so have a brilliant week um as always we would love you to rate review subscribe and give the podcast a little follow and as always if you do have time to kind of send us your suggestions for guests you can always drop me a dm on at made by mama or you can message me on my own Instagram which is at Zoe Hardman and we will see you on Friday Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the wonderful Charlotte Mason Insanity Group Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.